welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Blockument. Welcome, welcome. Crypto education through everyday conversations. My name is Nate Talbot, Executive Director of Detroit Blockchain Center, and with me is... Ashley Rose. I am your everyday gal. I'm a mother, online reseller, and I'm on a journey to figure out what is going on with all this crypto stuff. All this crypto craziness. Mm-hmm. How's that journey going? It's going good. I, I feel that um, some of the pieces are starting to come together, and I'm really excited to do this particular episode, especially since we started doing our... Um, little uh about like the block height and things like that in the beginning yeah. <laughs> so now i can kind of fully hopefully understand I, I was curious how much you would tie that together yeah so what are we talking about with block height stuff what do we what well do we yeah le- yeah let's go over okay so the block height the current block height is seven hundred ninety-two thousand. oh it just updated oh hold on it's coming in here it is <laughs> 792,828 um, it is a block size of 1.85 megabytes with a fa- 1,085 transaction in inside of it which is inter- interesting to note because it's half of what the black previous block yeah. was mm-hmm. um, and the total subsidies and fees one are 175,555 dollars usd and that equates to uh 6.435 bitcoin and it was won by foundry usa foundry mm-hmm. that's interesting which, which block height was this you were reading um this one is 792,828 so because hmm. i'm looking at a block score and this is something we can dive into okay I have a couple different numbers. Which numbers? Which numbers are different? Well, I have that the 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 miner who won it was Antpool. Oh, you know what? I didn't click on the new block. Ah. <laughs> well, this this could happen though. So yep. go ahead and give us the updated. Yep. Okay. So so it is still the same size and number of transactions, mm-hmm. and the block height is still the same, which is seven hundred ninety two thousand eight hundred twenty eight. Um. Let's see here. The subsidies and fees are 175,218 USD, which equates to 6.423 Bitcoin, which, yeah, that is interesting, actually. So I'm kind of glad that that mess up happened because it's it's the same. It's similar subsidies and fees for half the number of transactions. Right. And this could actually happen. Um, So we'll take a note. We'll dive into that as we get into block explorers and stuff. But this will lead us into what today's show is. Right. Yep. Which is what are transactions, mempools and block explorers. Right. We hear these words all the time, especially the transactions part when you're talking about crypto. But what does any of this really mean? Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> so let's start. Well, what are to you? Yeah. What are transactions? So I was thinking about that on my um, on my drive in because I was thinking it's interesting that like nobody really cares about transactions and how they work. Um, typically, like in the legacy system, they just it's something that we just do. You know, no one really thinks about like how they work and the mechanics of it. Um, right. So then I was thinking, okay, so then what are transactions? So. Uh, I, I guess I would say just like moving money from one place to another. Okay. Cool. What are mempools? <laughs> um, mempools, a place where <laughs> it's a Bitcoin transaction. It's a transaction purgatory. <laughs> transaction purgatory. Well, uh, for so some like, chains, it, it is <laughs> turned into that. Okay. We'll take that for now. Yeah. And block explorers. What's your answer for that? Um, block explorers, um, kind of like what I just used, um, like a, I don't know if this is right or wrong, a tool to um, help you look at the, I don't know if you want to call them statistics or metrics of the mempools. Okay. I don't know. That's could be completely wrong. I'm literally just guessing. No, I think um, <laughs> you did a fairly decent job on all of those. There's. I would some like to say I think mempools are um, like. The transactions go there, and they wait to like be confirmed into their block. Okay, well, let's let's take it step by step. They all tie together. They all work together. Okay. Um, and it does start with a transaction. Uh, and a transaction, 
I mean, the most simple way to sort of put it is it's just um, it's just a way that one or more parties transact, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't use, the, can't word use the word in a definition. How do, we, how, do we ex- how do two or more parties exchange value? They transact. Okay. And so in any kind of blockchain setup, it's the same thing. It's just a one or more parties transacting. You know, it's a peer-to-peer so a individual to individual or computer to computer, however you're defining peer, right? So how peer to peers can exchange value with each other mm, like without that. having a middleman. So a transaction, mm-hmm. it could involve middlemen. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about financial legacy systems, that's usually what happens, right? If I want to send you some money, even today, let's say I just want to send you some, there's two ways I can do it. Mm-hmm. I can take actual cash, mm-hmm. right? And the the physical paper and hand it to you, mm-hmm. or coin, and hand it to you, and we just did a peer-to-peer transaction. Mm-hmm. Or I could say, well, I'm going to cash app it to you. Right. And that feels like it's peer-to-peer, but in reality, what's happening is I'm taking money, sending it to Cash App, Square, mm-hmm. who owns Cash App, they're taking the money and sending it to you, and it's even more complex than that, because there are probably about 15 different little back-end intermediaries right. that Cash App is using, like my bank to them, to yeah. their bank, their processor, their rail, to your bank, to their back-end mm-hmm. processors, right. finally yeah. to you. Um, so it takes a lot of hops. And of course, one of the problems with that, um, there's a couple problems with that. Mm-hmm. One of them is everybody wants a piece along the way. Yeah. So I want to send you $10, but I got to pay like a half a percent here, a quarter of a percent there. And at the end of the day, I could be paying anywhere from two to five to, depending on what systems you're using, sometimes up to like 10% or more Yeah. just to send you some money that I could have just handed you directly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The cost to, of convenience. Right. Not to mention every time you add somebody in the middle, that's somebody who could steal from you, decide they don't like the kind of transaction you're doing. Um, just there's tons of opportunities for. Or even just an error. Errors. Yeah. yeah there's just tons of places. If I'm handing you a $10 bill, yeah, it is what it is. So unless that $10 bill is not legit. Yeah. There's not a lot of places for mess ups. So transactions are pretty simple, right? That's a simple definition. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about a crypto system, um, a blockchain-based system, um, you remember what are blockchains anyway, right? Which is just a sort of public ledger of transactions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So how does the entire network know that I want to send you some money? I want to send you some ETH. I want to send you whatever kind of crypto there is. Yeah. Um, and that's where mempools and block explorers start to enter in. So maybe we do a simple sort of walkthrough on how that process goes. Okay, yeah. Um, well, there's the basics. I'm going to most... Um, Blockchain permissions, blockchain protocols are sort of like gossip protocols, right? It's like I'm I'm yelling out to you. I'm yelling out to everybody what's happening, right? It's like, hey, world, I want to send Ashley to ETH. And I'm yelling at the top of my lungs. Um, and that sort of goes into this echo chamber. And that just sort of bounces around. These are all the nodes. These are all the individual players in the in the system that are participating and they all hear this all right nate wants to send ashley to eth Mm -hmm. but somebody has to still mine or valid for eth you have to validate the block right we got the proof of stake so you have all the validators you got the people who are putting all the transactions they they listen to all those echoes and they're going to randomly pick some usually the one that pays them the highest fees and they're going to throw them in a block Right, and then they'll send it off. Um, they'll propose that block, and then that'll get voted on. And if it gets confirmed, that that announcement I made now goes to you, right? Or er, mm-hmm. now it gets confirmed into the blockchain. Okay. Um, so that echo pool that they're listening from, that's called the mempool, mm. right? It's a memory pool. Me yelling it out, it sits in the computer memory. Memory pool, mem. Right. There it sits it in the memory. Your computer it sits <laughs> in the the RAM. Sits in the memory, and uh, 
miners or validators listen for that, look at that, mm -hmm. and say, all right, based off whatever they really want, typically it's whoever's paying the most fees. Um, they say, all right, we're going to take this transaction, this transaction, this transaction, this transaction, that's going to be in the block. If you're a miner, then if you win, mm -hmm. you know, the mining yeah. um, block, then, so that was what, ant pool for the yep. one we read out at the top. So that that's what won. And um, they got to choose what transactions went in, which is why it was interesting when I saw different numbers. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> it's not just that. All right, you were reading the wrong block. Yeah. But it's possible for two miners to reckon to win a block at the same time. Mm. Right? And so maybe my node sees Ant Pool yeah. as the winner. Oh, yeah. Your node sees Foundry as the winner. And so we're both looking at the same block height, but mm -hmm. we both have totally different numbers because Foundry picked a different set of transactions than Ampool did. Mm. And so the, the how how many transactions are in the block are going to be different. Yeah. How much how many fees are going to be different? The only thing that's going to be a constant really is the hash of the previous block. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the um the Coinbase that that six point two five right now. Mm. Right. The reward. Those are the only two things that will be constant between the two. Oh, constant. Okay. Yeah. Everything else is going to be different based on who wins mm -hmm. the thing. Um, and so that's sort of the what the mempool serves. It's like this temporary, when you said it was like this purgatory. Yeah. It can be that. Yeah. So if you think like either during the last bull run with Ethereum or on and off currently now with Bitcoin, mm -hmm. with all the Ordinal and BRC20 stuff, the um, it can be a purgatory because if you don't pay enough in fees, you're gonna sit there. You're gonna sit there, and you might yeah. sit there for days yeah. and days um, until the point where the mempool just kicks you out because mm -hmm. it's not gonna go through, or you um, do something to bump your fee or pay more in gas for Ethereum or whatever. Yeah. Um, and while this isn't part of the official show title, you know this is where fees even come into play to all this. Mm -hmm. um, everybody talks. A lot of people talk about cheap fees, mm -hmm. right? And you'll have a lot of uh, layer one networks who pop up um, and they're like, well, you should use our blockchain because we have cheap fees. Yeah. And the question most people got to ask is like, well, why are fees expensive in the first place? Is it just because what the, the blockchain network in itself is trying to overcharge you? It's yeah. a decentralized system. It doesn't. Right. Like, are they opinion. greedy? You try to make money. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And a miner could do that, but that's only, or a validator, either one could like only accept transactions at a certain um, fee, but this is why it's a competitive market. Mm -hmm. Right. So now, even if they did win one block and charge super high, uh, high fees, the odds of them winning the next block right. are very slim. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Eventually, your cheap transaction is probably going to get in anyway. But then what happens with, like, so uh, as we're doing these block heights and kind of going over the statistics and the data there, I'm noticing that it's a lot of foundry winning, and it's a lot of um, via, I think it was via tech winning. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot of these same ones winning. Now, if they become too powerful in a sense they could do that correct like they could be like all right now we're winning out we're mostly winning all these blocks so we're just going to go like the most expensive ones and everyone else you have to either raise your fee or yeah you can well this is where people worry about centralization right right and this is happens in any of the networks um it one thing that wasn't really considered when Bitcoin was first created, and even uh, as Ethereum, and I'm going to mainly stick with Bitcoin and Ethereum right now. Okay. Um, if you understand how those two work, with the exception of something like a Monero or a Zcash or something, which we can get into, every chain f pretty much follows these two metrics, right? Mm -hmm. um, so whatever's true for Bitcoin or Ethereum, if you're a proof-of-work chain, it's generally going to work how Bitcoin works. And mm -hmm. if you're a proof-of-stake chain, it's generally going to work how Ethereum okay. proof-of-stake works. Um, uh, I forgot what your question was. 
the the mining pools one thing that nobody really anticipated was pools so when bitcoin first came out right everyone was like oh you'll be your own miner mm-hmm. now he satoshi in some of his early writings did theorize that eventually only large data centers would be miners he saw that happening okay. the amazons the googles cuz like as the hash rate increases how hard it is to guess that random number that mining is really all right, about. Right, the harder that guess becomes, the more computational power you need, and your average person isn't going to be able. You're not going to be able to do it on your laptop. Right. Um, and that's sort of what we're seeing happen, right? right? It's like it's going from anybody could do it on their old five-year-old laptop to now you needed a specialized computer to now you need like an ASIC computer that only guesses hashes that's all it does yeah to eventually yeah you're going to need like a google or amazon style server um so that was always intended but what they didn't expect was mining pools Mm -hmm. to pop up where individual miners could all sort of coalesce their their hash power together and then just share the rewards right and that's Mm -hmm. how like that's who's really winning these when you see ant pool win it's a mining pool. It's not like an individual solar miner. It's not like I just went out and set up a, my own uh, data center. And is that mining. the case because it has the word pool in it? So that's how you know? Or are they they don't have to have like, like if it was like. It doesn't if, have if to have, have the like, word. Do you think Foundry is a is a pool too? I, Foundry, I believe, is a pool. Um, almost everybody who's winning a large majority of the blocks are mm-hmm. pools. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's, you can look at that, you can see like how much hash power each one has, how many blocks they're all winning. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, there are like two or three pools who control like 60% of the hash rate in Bitcoin. So, okay, so then just to clarify, so these, let, let's use um, Ant Pool since they just won, for example. Mm-hmm. Those are, that's, um, that miner who won is a pool of essentially ordinary folks who just joined that pool and are enjoying the benefit of winning that at a portion, um, like based off of whatever criteria. Yeah. So again, you and me both point our miners to ant pool. I got a miner. I have my own ASIC miner. You got mm-hmm. your own ASIC miner. We both point them to hash pool to um, Ant Pool, mm-hmm. um, which is hundreds or thousands of individual miners like us, mm-hmm. and we all contribute. And if my miner is the one who wins the block, mm-hmm. right? Even though I won the block, I'm sharing that reward. It's like a lottery pool. Oh, okay. If you ever played, like, if you ever go to yeah. an office or something and everybody in the office puts in on a lottery ticket, mm-hmm. like, your number is the one who won. Yeah. But because you pooled your money to increase your odds, right. you still split it with everybody. Okay. And that's how a pool works. And that's the argument against them being centralized, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a bunch of individual miners. Yeah. And if any one pool gets too much hash rate, any individual miner at any time could just unplug from that pool and join a different pool. Okay. Right? And you could do that depending on your technical um, prowess. You could do that in like a matter of minutes. So like if I were to start a mining, like mining right now, mm-hmm. like it would be in my benefit to point it at Foundry or... It would know. be at any pool because the odds of you winning, guessing that number mm-hmm. are infinitely small as possible. It's happened... A few times over the past few months, where a solo miner, mm-hmm. just one person yeah. with their own miner, won yeah. the block. They won the whole yeah um, kitten caboodle. Right, <laughs> um, but that's it's like the lottery, right? The best analogy of a lottery mm-hmm. is it's highly likely somebody's going to win because of the amount of people who play. Right. It's very unlikely that winner will ever be you. Right. Right. Same concept when it comes to mining. Right. Okay. Um. So you're better off joining a pool. Right. Uh, But a downside of that is if you only have two or three pools, those pools are managed Mm -hmm. by still individuals. Yeah. It's not like where, and we'll get into this in a second, how Ethereum works now with proof of stake. Yeah. And it's running through similar types of problems, but it's a little bit different. It's not like these pools are ran by some decentralized organization. Yeah. 
Right. Ant Pool still has a management, right. an owner right. who's doing who's like doing allocating this. and right. Management. And you have to trust that like that they're gonna get the reward, they're gonna distribute it back. When are they distributing it right. back? Is it ever as soon as they win it? Are right. you waiting on a thirty day payout? What's what's the deal? And you gotta sort of trust that whole system. Right. Some are very open about it all and have a very open source sort of approach. Some are much more closed and we don't really know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um and if those two or three mining pools decide to collude, mm-hmm. well, like I just said, there's only like, I think two pools right now control about 60% of the hash rate mm-hmm. as of this block height, yeah. right? Um, they that's they could perform a 51% attack. They own 51% of the network. That's a good point. Right? Um, now, it's again, it's highly unlikely because of how pools are generally set up. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not like... Um, like Marathon is a private equity pool uh, mining company, so they do all of their mining. Mm-hmm. Like if they own 51%, they unilaterally could just make a decision. But with a mining pool, all the all the contributors could just unplug. Yeah. And now your hash rate as a pool drops. And you no longer have. Instantly, you no longer have the 51%. Right. Okay. But it's still a it's still a um, potential for yeah. it, right? And now you go look at Ethereum, and the same thing happened when. When proof of stake and they started developing the whole um, Ethereum model of proof of stake, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, liquid staking, which is a huge thing now, mm-hmm. and staking pools weren't really the mindset. It was just like you have 32 ETH, you put 32 ETH, you're now a validator. Yeah. Right? A miner. Yeah. In, in that regard. Yeah. But instead of guessing a number to win the block, you're randomly selected, right? right. Um, the original intent was most people would just be th- solo stakers, and anybody could enter in. You'd lock up your 32 ETH. Um, but then what happens if you only have 30 ETH yeah. or two ETH or a half a ETH, right? Like less chance of being selected. Well, you can't even have a validator. You need 32 oh, ETH. Yeah. If you don't have 32 ETH, you're not a validator. And, and so a bunch of people who didn't have quite 32 ETH yeah. could pool together and sort of come in and create their own validator. Mm. And so you now you have these staking pools mm-hmm. like Lido and Rocket Pool, and there's a couple of, of them, but Lido is the big one right now. So Lido, similar to how Bitcoin is, like Lido has like 60% of the, the validating power all of the yeah. individual stakers are yeah. staking through lido mm-hmm. even people who have 32 eth because you don't have to worry about the setup there's a lot of work that goes into being a validator yeah right you have to know how to do the technical setup with the hardware because if you're offline when you get selected you get slashed you lose some oh. of your stake so that's well, a high risk and your odds of like winning something are Okay. Yeah, it's a random selection based off of how long you've staked your ETH. Um, there's a few different variables we won't get into for today, but yeah, it's it's like a lottery with a weighted thing. It's not just about how much ETH you have, but how how long it's been staked and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the more people who stake, the less odds you have of getting selected, right? Um, so again, it makes more sense to pool right. into that. Yeah. But now Lido has all of this power. And one of the very first things that got identified was when Tornado Cash, um, when was that? That seems like yesterday, but I think it was almost like a year ago now. Um, For what? Tornado Cash, which was a mixing service, mm-hmm. right? Because remember, all this is transparent. Mm-hmm. So if you want to add any privacy, you would go through a mixer. Mm-hmm. Um well, the U.S. deemed Tornado Cash mm. to put it on the uh, OFAC list, which means you can't. It's they treat it like North Korea, mm. like you can't do any interactions with it anymore. Oh, wow. And so now, a validator, if you're a validator, you have to make a decision: Do you respect the OFAC list or do you not? Right. Do you run the chance that, if, especially if you're in the U.S., if you validate a transaction that touched Tornado Cash, mm-hmm. well, then maybe you could be liable and end up in a uh, prison. Mm. And so now you have this validator that owns this huge um, amount of the validating power. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're going to respect the OFAC list. Mm. So now 
they're sanctioning or censoring transactions. Yeah. That's not good for a censorship-resistant network. Right, right. Right? Um, now, how detrimental is that? You know, that's very debatable because there are, even though it got censored, you know, every Ethereum block happens every 12 seconds or so. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anybody, I don't think any transaction has had to wait more than about 15 or 20 minutes to go through. Mm -hmm. So even at a 12-second, you know, um, block time, 15 minutes is a huge amount of time, but in the grand scheme of things, 15 minutes yeah. Even if you have a sanctioned transaction, eventually this is the decentralization part. Somebody who doesn't care about OFAC will get chosen to do a validation and they're going to put your transaction in. Yeah. Right. Um, so but do you think do you think them choosing to like abide by the OFAC um, decision is kind of like an influencing decision on their part? Yeah, there's. That's the problem with pools. Yeah. And this is, again, as staking was first thought of and proof of work, pools weren't really part of the conversation. It wasn't until they popped up. Just like exchanges. Exchanges were never part of that. Peer-to-peer -peer cash. Yeah. Why would there be an exchange? We're supposed to be about people interacting right. directly. Right. So, yeah. That, I mean, like, do you think... These are unintended consequences, yeah. but I don't think it's been... Uh, it's debatable on how detrimental... It's been. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not ideal mm -hmm. if you really want the purest version of the systems. Mm -hmm. um, and on both sides, on a proof of work and a proof of stake side, there are people who are working to figure out how to circumvent that. Mm -hmm. Because um, Andreas Antonopoulos, who, if you don't know who he is, you should okay. check him out. Actually, remind me, I'll put him in the show notes okay. just to link to his okay. work. Um, uh, he has a great talk he did about can't versus won't, mm -hmm. right? And that's really the difference when you think about a blockchain design system. A permissionless, censorship-resistant, right, immutable yeah. system. Yeah. You can have a system where you won't defy the principles, mm -hmm. but eventually if the government comes in or any anybody comes in, yeah. once they bash you in the knee hard enough yeah. or threaten you with long enough imprisonment or yeah. threaten your family with long enough or imprisonment. find your particular pain point. Yeah, they yeah. find something to that thumb on your neck, mm -hmm. that, that pressure point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you, if you won't, I'm not going to do it. Oh, yes, mm -hmm. you will. That means Eventually you, means you, you can. will. You, you can. can. Yeah. But if you have a system that can't Right. Well, then it doesn't matter what pain point they hit. Yeah. I can't tell you. I don't know. They, you know, Ashley never told me her private key. Yeah. I can't give you her crypto. Right, right. Can't give up her Bitcoin. I don't know it. I can't do it. Yeah. I'll break both of your legs. Yeah. It'd be like me pressing you, you for the winning lottery numbers. Like you don't. Like, I just don't know it. Yeah. I can't. I can't do it. So can't versus won't is a key principle in design mechanisms that you have to think of. On a proof of work, on a proof of stake, it's one of the reasons I'm more of a proof of work maxi than uh, a proof of stake. Mm -hmm. I like the concept of proof of stake. Um, I don't know. We talked about game theory in a previous episode. I think that was episode 16, so go check out that. Mm -hmm. But um, that's sort of the game theory of it. We sort of discussed that, yeah. right? The game theory of proof of work um, primarily is I don't trust anybody, mm -hmm. so you can't. I think everybody's lying to me. So if I let something go through, it's because I verified it myself. I didn't trust you. I verified it. Yeah. Proof of stake is more of a cooperative game theory. I think everybody has the best intent, mm -hmm. but if you cheat, I'll punish you. There is no punishment in proof of work. So then is proof of work a can't situation and a proof of stake a won't situation? I won't go that far. Okay. <laughs> yes. Proof of work is a can't situation. Okay. Proof of stake should be a can't situation yeah. and I don't believe it yet but mm -hmm. I don't know mm -hmm. that it's not mm -hmm. I feel like there are more areas where it can be a won't versus a can't but that's my whole hesitation with mm -hmm. the whole proof of stake system okay. um, but they're working towards it and as the closer and closer it gets mm -hmm. if it makes it to a can't like an affirmed can't mm -hmm. and the only way you know is by getting attacked yeah right yeah. um so, to sort of stay on topic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> transactions are how, how we um, interact with people. The mempool is how the 
decentralized system knows what's happening. Okay. Right? You just sort of yell it out. You sit in a mempool. And then we tell people all the time, well, you know, one of the things that makes blockchain so great is it's transparent. Right? Mm-hmm. You can see it. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the arguments against regulating a true decentralized, peer-to-peer, censorship-resistant, immutable system. Mm-hmm. Their regulations are designed to stop people from cheating other people. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Math in and of itself can't cheat people. Yeah. Right? Now, yeah. people who use math and maliciously and, and manipulate yeah. it, right? But if you have math that's built in an open source system, so anybody can validate the math, right? So now we know the math isn't cheating because anybody, every mathematician can look, yeah. right? And then you can learn how to be a mathematician and look, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so you know the math isn't cheating you. Mm-hmm. And if all of this is really just math, cryptography, which runs this whole thing, is just math, mm-hmm. well, then why, why do I need a regulation? Right, right. Right? It can't cheat the system because right there's there's nothing there so a block but the the question is how do you know how do you look at it Mm -hmm. um a block explorer is a way for people to be able to interact and look at a blockchain to actually see what it is what it's doing who's doing what in a generally synonymous manner right Mm -hmm. unless you're dealing with something like monero or zcash Dash, a couple of some of the privacy coins, which make it a lot harder to to break down that tsunami. And for those who don't know, right, almost every blockchain system is tsunonymous at best, mm-hmm. which means yeah, I was just ask. right, which means they don't know. It doesn't say that Nate Talbot from Detroit Blockchain Center is the one doing all these transactions. It says this random string. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Um, 0x37276331, whatever, GRL27, however, <laughs> um, it says that that is doing a transaction. And if I'm super focused on my privacy, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. I won't let anybody know that that address yeah. is me. Right. Right. It's just like if you make a, back in the day, you used to be able to set up a, a Gmail account. And you just set new account, put the email address you wanted, and that was it. There was no verification. So if I just made a Gmail account, hot guy 313, <laughs> nobody really knew. Even Gmail itself yeah. didn't really know who that was. Yeah. Now you have to do, like, number verification, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and the same thing's true with most crypto systems. Yeah. Right? You, uh, you can stay pseudonymous, which means... If you're careful, nobody will know it's you. Right. But I like to get my crypto through Kraken in exchange, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a U.S. citizen. Kraken's a U.S. exchange, which means they have to know their K- customers. KYC, yeah. uh, I have to KYC, which means I got to send them my ID. I got to send them all this stuff. So while the general public doesn't know who the 0x whatever is, right. Kraken knows. Mm-hmm. And if the government wanted to know who this 0x yeah. is... Because it's transparent nature, they can they can tie the transactions back to a Kraken ex- exchange at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. That means they can just go to Kraken and be like, hey, see this address? We yep. need to know who sent it here. Yep. And Kraken can tell them. Yep. So now I'm not synonymous anymore. Yep. Right? Versus um, a system like a Monero or a Zcash, um, they have a lot more obfuscation, right? So you can... I don't know what that means. Um, like Monero uses this kind of, this this thing called ring signatures that sort of um, hides who's doing what. It'll still show you these two addresses interacted with each other, mm-hmm. but the details are are you just can't you you don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so while when I go to Kraken, they still know it's me. Mm-hmm. Right, and mm-hmm. they can see that I, I took some dollars and I bought some Monero. Yeah. Um, once I send it out, there's no way to prove that that address is me. Okay. Because they don't know what was. The trail goes dead there. Yeah. It just goes dead. Right. Um, same thing. If you could find a way without KYC to take like your Bitcoin, and then send that to trans, turn that directly into Monero, mm-hmm. 
and then turn that Monero back to Bitcoin. Right. Then you're. Well, at that Monero yeah. point, is the trail sort of goes dead. Yeah. Right. Um, what do you mean if you can find a way like that's not like a common like it's not easy? It's hard. Well, you have to avoid KYC. If I'm going to use Kraken to do it, mm-hmm. Kraken sees everything I'm doing because right. I'm in their house doing it. Yeah. But if I do like a peer to peer, if I just go to you and say you have Monero, I have Bitcoin, and I give you the Bitcoin, you give me Monero. They see my Bitcoin goes to this address, but they don't know who you are, unless they bash me in the knee hard enough. So that's the only way to do it, even with Monero, is a peer to peer. There's some. There's some like I'm not gonna options. I'm not willing to disclose. <laughs> well, because I fine, don't know yeah. the th- there are things like let's say um, Thorchain, okay, which and and this this concept also another concept called atomic swaps, um, which facilitate going from one blockchain to another blockchain without using an intermediary, right? So you don't need the, the cracking in between. Um, they're not very popular. They're sort of more complex. And something like a Thorchain, you're using smart contract systems. So you still got to sort of trust mm. the smart contract system and whatnot. Um, so use at your own risk. The safest way to do it is, you know, peer-to-peer how all of this stuff was meant to be, which mm-hmm. is peer-to-peer. Um, but, yeah, if you want to maintain your privacy, then, yes, you want to avoid KYC things. Because you can use a block explorer, and this is how there's companies like Chain um, Chain Analysis, um, who sort of built their claim to fame on tracking, breaking that tsunami in crypto transactions. Mm-hmm. And then that was their claim to fame. Their claim to payroll was then selling that information mm-hmm. to governments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they would tell you this, that, and the other, um, and and how. How accurate that information is, is still sort of debatable. Mm-hmm. They'll say it's great information, but really they just sort of use tie together. So if you go, let's use Ethereum as an example, right? If you go to a website called um, Etherscan, mm-hmm. right? It's etherscan.io. And so that's a block explorer. That is a block explorer, okay. right? Um, or, and that that's going to show you anything that's on in almost any EVM chain, any Ethereum-friendly chain. So Ethereum, Avalanche, Binance chain, you know, any chain that uses an EVM sort of setup, you can sort of look at those transactions on Etherscan. You won't be able um, to see Bitcoin transactions EVM. there. EVM. Ethereum virtual machine. Okay. <laughs> I'm like um, nodding like I know, and then I'm like, mm, no. Mm, right. <laughs> um, or if you're interested in like the Bitcoin... Um, side, well, you can use what we use every episode, right? When we start the show off, mm-hmm. we're using mempool.space. Um, mempool.space. Um, and that's going to allow you to see everything that's happening on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, so the both Etherscan and mempool.space serve the same function. Etherscan allows you to view the blockchain uh, of any EVM, any sort of Ethereum-friendly blockchain yeah. um while mempool.space allows you to look at the bitcoin blockchain right right and that's what we do every show mm-hmm. because instead of using the date we use the time the the block height, the block height. which gives you a, 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 a reference point. immutable reference point yeah. in time mm-hmm. um and the information we're reading that's how we know any of this information it's looking directly on chain so, when you, um, and on chain is that? What exactly does that mean? On chain? Yeah. I mean, it's on the blockchain. Okay. So, so, but clarity, like meaning, like, yeah. So, so here's the thing: when you're doing transactions, right? You're gonna say, "I'm yelling out to the public, hey, I want to send Ashley to Bitcoin." Mm-hmm. Right? I just yell that out. My compute, my node mm-hmm. yells that out, or my wallet yells that out mm-hmm. into the ether sphere. Mm-hmm. And then all the other nodes that are near me mm-hmm. hear that and put it in their memory. And their so at that point memory. when you yell it out, is it on chain? No. 
Okay. When it goes, so in, the, when it goes out, in the mem pool. I just yell it out. When it goes in the mem pool, yeah. it's not in chain. Okay. It's just sitting in a miner's memory. Okay. But it hasn't made it into a block. Like it's, like, dare I use this term, like it's RAM is RAM memory? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, yep. so it's, it's, it's sitting in there. That's it. Yep. Okay. Um, so it's sitting in there, and then the miners look in there, and they find fear game theoretically they're looking for whatever's going to pay them the most right. um right. but they could pick none of them mm-hmm. and just mine an empty block they could say all right maybe they know these transactions come directly from me mm-hmm. and for whatever reason i got them only accepting my transactions they could literally just pluck out every transaction that came from me right they can pick whatever they yeah. want out of the mempool just because you're in the mempool does not mean you're in a block. Yeah. Then they take it, they can put it in their block, but if they haven't won it, it still doesn't mean anything. Okay. Right? Yep. Then they win the block. Mm-hmm. Now you're in the block. Mm-hmm. So on your wallet, you'll see like one confirmation. We'll go from zero confirmations, which means you're just sitting in the mempool, mm-hmm. to one confirmation, which means now you're in one block. But the mm-hmm. question is remember how we started the show? We had two different interpretations of the yeah. same block. Mm-hmm. So. If if I'm buying a coffee from you, right? Yeah. You probably don't care. Mm-hmm. You're gonna trust. I'm not trying to double spend. I'm not trying to cheat you. One block is right. enough. Maybe zero blocks is enough for you. You just see it in the mempool, and you're like, it'll make it. I'm good, right? Mm-hmm. But if I'm buying a house from you, mm-hmm. you want to yeah. make sure you got that oh, yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you know when you see one confirmation, the block you're looking at is the block that the rest of the network is looking at? Mm-hmm. So maybe you wait to two confirmations. Now, two confirmations means there's another block one, mm-hmm. right, that's sitting on top of your block, which means whoever won that newest block agrees with you. That that block that said I sent you the yeah. two Bitcoin, that it's was real. One. Yeah. Right? But maybe twice in a row, we got it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. We disagree. Half the network thinks one thing. Half the network thinks another, thinks another thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe you feel comfortable with three blocks, right? That old block is getting more and more buried. Yeah. So traditionally, early in the days, with Bitcoin specifically, um, because of the block time, once you hit six confirmations, that was considered the golden number, right? Okay. Once you were six blocks deep, there were f- there were five other blocks on top of yours, the odds that the whole network was split and undecided on what the real chain was mm-hmm. the odds of that were so minimally small mm-hmm. like it was theoretically impossible right mm-hmm. um so six blocks used to be the golden number now with the hash rate being so high in things really once you see like for most transactions two or three is pretty solid okay um now i have three questions but i don't know if they're off topic and we can answer them mm-hmm. in the block notes so i'm just going to read them off and then i have them written down so mm-hmm. if you forget them no worries so it, it's a transaction is only on chain when it's in a block that has one yes okay. one confirmation okay and then and the, this is true for all chains okay and then this is a, uh, to me it feels silly, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you were saying how the transaction can get b- buried, um, one, two, or three, or so on layers blocks deep. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean it's like more on chain? Like, is there variations of like being on chain? No, it's more immutable. So that's a good question, right? So with Bitcoin, um, it's it has. It sort of its finality is instant, right? The mu- the mu- immutability. When can you start to trust it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can generally trust it at one block. Okay. But that immutability was really six blocks mm-hmm. historically, right? It's mm-hmm. like all right, once it's six blocks, we know no double spends are happening. Right. All right. Right. I'm not gonna. I can't copy and paste my money. Um, with a system like Ethereum. And most proof of stake systems, right? They have they have longer finality. It's actually one of the attack vectors of early proof of stake systems is called a long range attack, mm. which means it made it in a block. Your block time is a half a second. You got blockchain networks out there. You talk about half second yeah. confirmation times. Mm-hmm. Cool, it's confirmed, but 
the way they're structured, trying to word it without getting technical on it, mm-hmm. the way they're structured, um, even though your transaction is the, in a block, you could be 10,000 blocks deep, right? Okay. The finality isn't really there. It's It wasn't hard. It it. It wasn't really hard for an attacker to go and still modify that 10,000 block deep confirmation. Okay. Which means you didn't have finality. Okay. That's still a problem a lot of proof of stake, maybe all proof of stake systems still have, um, which is why an alternative some of them are looking at mm-hmm. is, all right, well, maybe we wait in every 20 blocks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We take a state. Here's what our 20 blocks look like. And then they send that to the Bitcoin blockchain mm. for finality. Because now it can't be changed. Bitcoin's a much more solid Are finality you they take the, proof of work is. The, the proof of stake and put it on the... Proof of work chain. That is but instead of doing every transaction, they do. They might do batches. Right. Every 10 or 100 blocks, depending on their I block time. I feel like that kind of speaks volumes for proof of work. It does speak volumes. <laughs> because if another type or category is using the other one, it's uh-huh. basically saying, like, you are better than us. Yeah. Or more um, secure. There's, yeah, it's <laughs> however you want to use the word. I might but be the idea is the reason but... why is Bitcoin so so quote unquote, if you're not watching big quotes, mm-hmm. slow, right? 10 minute on average block times, mm-hmm. even though like the last block happened in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, 10 minutes on average block times, right? Mm-hmm. Why does it take 10 minutes? Why don't they do it in a half a second mm-hmm. or a quarter of a second, right? Right. Um, Security, well, yeah? Well, no. How? This is all about consensus. You have to mm. coordinate thousands of individual unrelated parties. Mm-hmm. We all have to agree on the state of the blockchain, right? Yeah. We don't know each other. We don't know anything. We don't. We don't trust. Well, the proof of work system. You don't trust anybody. Yeah, I think everybody's that. lying to right, me, right. so I have to verify it all. And so, it was. It, it was agreed upon that about ten minutes was the right amount of time. Between blocks, if you so that's why Bitcoin is designed to happen every ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Within ten minutes, that's enough time for a global network of individual players to agree on the current state of the chain. Okay. Right, mm-hmm. and that's all based on your hash rate, how fast you can guess the number and whatever, how much energy you're using and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to shorten that time mm-hmm. with, this is just any, especially any computer system, right? If you're going to shorten the time, that means you have to give up something somewhere else. Right. Because if it was just like, oh, no, you could do it in a half a second, then why wouldn't any system be a half a second? Right. There has to be compromises. One of those compromises is those long-range attacks, mm. that finality. Mm-hmm. And so proof of stake happens a lot faster. So they'll go to Ethereum, right? That's That was like 15 seconds when it was proof of work. Mm-hmm. It was still proof of work, but it was 15 seconds. It still had faster... Um, it still had issue... Uh, that's not even the right word there either. Um, the finality wasn't as is solid mm-hmm. as like with a proof of work is with Bitcoin's longer finality times mm-hmm. with proof of stake. They shaved around three seconds off. Now it's around 12 seconds, but mm-hmm. they have bigger problems with finality. Mm-hmm. So how Ethereum today mm-hmm. um, solves that is they have like these slots, mm-hmm. which are the blocks. Mm-hmm. And then every group of slots, they call an Epic mm-hmm. and I can't remember exactly how many slots that is, but mm-hmm. it's around every six minutes. So just do the math. Six minutes divided by around 12 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that many blocks. That is what they call an epic. That's their finality, right? Mm-hmm. So after six minutes of individual blocks happen, yeah. all right, this one is sealed. This is considered immutable, okay. right? Yeah. And then they start building on top of those epics. And so that gets logged into the Bitcoin blockchain? No. No? None of these log. Well, no. Oh. That the logging into the Bitcoin blockchain is an alternative some proof of works oh. some proof of stake systems are considering for their finality. Okay, okay. Ethereum handles it differently. Okay. They have the slots and the epics and then that's built in. Got it. Um but it's a new system so we have to wait until people attack that system mm-hmm. to see. So for an example, um a couple weeks ago from today 
there was twice within, I'll say, 48 hours, um, Ethereum skipped its finality because it's a validator mm-hmm. system, right? And so you're randomly chosen. Mm-hmm. So if I ra- if you're a validator um, and you're chosen, all right, you need to, is this epic? Check all the transactions. Is this good? Is this straight? Is there yeah. no cheats? Is it all fair game? Yeah. Your job is to say, yes, I've checked all the transactions. It's fair game. And put that epic in. What happens if you're offline? You get chosen, but you're offline. Yeah. You're not available. You just can't do your job or you do it poorly or do whatever. Yeah. Well, you skip that finality. Mm-hmm. There is no confirmation. Mm-hmm. And so that's not stopping your transactions from happening. The blocks are still processing, but the finality isn't there. Does it still, it does, do those transactions still get like, con- I don't know if this is the term, but like confirmed or like put into the chain? Like. Yeah, but how do you know the double, it's... Remember, the the one thing every blockchain solves, mm-hmm. there's only one problem it solves, mm-hmm. double spends. Okay. Right? If you're going, how do I make sure in this whole system that I didn't copy and paste? How do you know I didn't copy and paste a $20 bill? Yeah. Like, a, I just generated free money and gave you a $20 bill for this good and service, and I gave somebody else a $20, that right. same $20 bill. Mm-hmm. With cash, you're literally handing them the dollar. Right. So now it's out of my custody. Right. I can't double spend it. With traditional finance, Mm -hmm. this is why we have trusted third parties like banks. Mm -hmm. They're verifying if I send you money through Cash App, Cash App is verifying I'm not taking that exact same money I sent you and sending it to Alice. Right. At the same time. Right. We're trusting that third party. To do the verification. To do the verification. Blockchains, permissionless blockchains, mm-hmm. solve that problem. Right. They're How do I do this? With, and you know I didn't double spend right. it. Right. So then does skipping the finality essentially mean that they they like mined an empty, or not mined, but like it was an empty epoch? There's no finality. Epic? You, everybody who has a transaction mm-hmm. there. Does it go through it or not? No. Doesn't know that their money hasn't, the money that they received hasn't been double spent. Okay. So it's like they, an uncertain. It's epic. just like with Bitcoin, right? It's just, yeah, uncertain. Just like with Bitcoin, like I was saying, six transactions, six confirmations. Right. With six confirmations, statistically, you know your money hasn't, the money you received has not been double spent. You mm-hmm. haven't been cheated. Mm-hmm. With zero trans confirmations, you don't know anything. Right. With one confirmation, it's probably pretty strong. But there's a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. So just think of Ethereum's epic mm-hmm. as Bitcoin's six confirmations. It's the same kind of concept. Right, but if the epic skipped if, if its the, finality. Exactly. So imagine the sixth confirmation never just came in. Yeah. But but so then does it have to be like s- s- another epic or maybe six epics to, to, to then give it its kind of finality? Well, no, once you get an epic that's confirmed. Uh-huh. After it? Yeah, once. So, like, what happened with Ethereum's case is, for whatever reason, um, a validator was offline or there was some problem in their setup mm-hmm. for at least one of the cases. Um, the finality never happened. Mm-hmm. So, while all the transactions were there and went through, mm-hmm. we don't know how final they were right when the next epic happened that validator was there mm-hmm. so that validator sort of validated a, sort of did double duty uh, yeah kind of did double the work okay. but then a few blocks later or oh. then a few hours later within two days oh. it happened again so now the question comes now it's that was nothing it was not like a catastrophe for a catastrophe for ethereum yeah um like i said for normal users they didn't even know what was going on yeah, yeah. right but if you have very, you're talking about building these systems that that global economic powers rely on. Yeah. Theoretically, what happens, right, we see what happens now when finality doesn't happen once. Mm-hmm. The system did what it was supposed to do, and it did it on the next epic. Mm-hmm. Cool. What happens if it misses two epics? In a row? In a row. Mm-hmm. Three. Eight epics in a row. Mm-hmm. Can global financial systems really depend on that? Yeah. And Maybe. if they let any, like, 
like Joe off the street do the validating, that becomes a real like probability of happening, right? Or no? I don't know if that's so much of an issue mm. because you're not even with proof of work, mm -hmm. right? Anybody could be a minor. Right. We don't trust, remember, we don't trust anybody. Right. So this is where nodes, non-mining nodes, when they say run your own node, right. that's where that comes important, and that's also true for Ethereum. Even though a validator says or does something, doesn't mean that um, the whole network has to trust them as part of the, like, the Ethereum validation process. Mm -hmm. You get chosen as a validator, you have a block builder, you get a, a, a validator who validates the block and proposes it to the network, a block proposer. Mm -hmm. But then all the other validators sort of look at it and vote. Yeah, that's good. We agree with that. Mm -hmm. Right? So mm -hmm. you're never really just trusting one entity. Mm. It's, it's sort of a team team job. Got it. Right? Um, but... As we run close on time, there is one other thing I wanted to tell people about. Okay. Um, and maybe we dive deeper into it on the block notes. Um, an awesome site to really visualize how all of this works mm -hmm. is this website called txstreet.com. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to be in the, you know, check out theblockument.com. I'll have a link directly to it. The resources. Um, yeah, it, it it perfectly, in my opinion, represents what's really happening. And I know we're on most platforms and audio only, so you can't see it. Um, and even if you're on YouTube, we don't have our system hooked up <laughs> yet Just to see yet, it. Just yet, yeah. Yep, but that's coming. Um, but when you go to TXStreet.com, this is what you're seeing. And this is the best way to visualize this in any blockchain system. I don't care which system you're talking about. Um, think of it like you're at a train station. Right. And every person in the tra train station is a transaction. That is somebody who yelled out, I want to send. It's representing party A sending something to party B. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're just thinking of a train station, you're thinking of all the people who are walking around, random people. They all need to get on the train. The train is the block. Mm -hmm. Right. Outside of the train is the mempool. So the general station is the mempool. Mm. You're not on a train yet. You're at the train station. Yeah. You got a plan to go to a destination. Right. But you, you ain't there yet. Once you're on the train, you're, you're, you're looking good to go to your destination. But if the train has never pulled off, you're never really going anywhere, right? Mm. So you have a bunch of people who are in the train station trying to get on a train. Right. Right. You, right, Ashley Rose gets on a train. Mm-hmm. So you feel like, oh, I'm good. But you're not confirmed yet. The train hasn't left. You're right. not good because you haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. But you're on the train at least. Yeah. Except all the trains, it's not like, hey, buy a ticket, and when the train is full, you just got to wait for the next one. Yeah. The train is an auction. Yeah, taking the highest bidder. Taking the highest bidder. So you got on this train. Mm -hmm. You were the lowest You were the lowest bidder, but mm -hmm. you're on the train. Yeah. And then I come along. Yeah. And I'm like, I really need to be on that train. Yeah. Well, all I have to do is bid higher than the lowest bidder. Meaning so, increase your, your yeah, fee I just got to pay more in fees, yeah. right? So you paid, let's say, we'll use Ethereum as an example. Okay. You decided to pay um, uh, uh, 500 gui, which is the gas. Okay. Pay, right? Okay. Um, you decided to pay 500 gui, gui to get on the... Um, Train on, on the train. Okay. I come along and say, "Well, I'll pay five fifty. The train conductor is going to take you and boot you off, <laughs> and I get on." Okay. Right. And until the validator validates the block in that slot, right? Nobody's guaranteed to be on that train. And so when you look at this website, that's what you sort of see happening. You'll see all these people get on a train, mm -hmm. but then you'll see a whole bunch of people come off and a whole bunch of other people get on. <laughs> yeah, because they got kicked off. They got kicked off. Okay. They didn't pay enough in fees. Yeah. Right? So the people on the sideboard there, that's the mempool. Mm -hmm. When they get on the train, it's like they've paid enough to get on there, but if the train hasn't taken off, they're not guaranteed, but then the train takes off. And you'll notice on the Ethereum side of the screen, uh, yeah. Right, it takes off around every twelve seconds. Yeah, I was just gonna say um, we're looking at it right now, and and on the right, it's the um, Bitcoin train with the Bitcoin uh, loading 
area. And on the left, it's the same for Ethereum. And there's a lot more people on the right waiting to get on the train for, for Bitcoin than there are for Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And also, the train is taking off much faster for Ethereum. Right. And that's because and Bitcoin frequent. has that 10-minute block time. Yeah. Ethereum has a 12-second. We could throw yeah. on something like, um, I don't know, Solana, which has like half-second times or something so like you that. Can and select, it's going to just keep taking off. You can select which... Um, which train? train? They have a few different trains you can look at. We can look at like Monero or Litecoin. Bitcoin We can look at some light layer twos like Arbitrum. Um, look at that. So yeah, um, that's how it works. And so um, what's what's that at the top? It looks like there's some sort of like a um, like a message board. Uh, it says less. Oh, okay, medium yep. tax fee. That's exactly what it is. It's a message board. So just like when you're at the train, you're seeing like when when yeah. the train is supposed to arrive, late departures. Off. So it's telling you the last block for Bitcoin was 16 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So we've waited 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it's the median fee is a dollar forty three. Okay. So half the people on the train have paid more than a dollar forty-three. And so that kind of gives you an idea. Less than a dollar forty-three. If you have an urgent transaction, okay, go maybe like ten cents over or twenty. Or a dollar forty-three. Oh, because it's just it's the median, and so median means the number in the middle. Mm -hmm. Half the people paid more. Half the people paid less. If you want guaranteed on this train, without like guessing this, you could. If you definitely want to be guaranteed, you go no question. You would pay like three bucks. Nobody's paying three dollars. The median fee is a dollar forty-three, yeah. right? So you're guaranteed you're going to be on that next block. It's also but interesting you, that they're using um, for the median fee. They're they're using USD and not like Sats for the Bitcoin, for example. Like, yeah, you could probably edit that to see how that is, but that's how most people understand it right yeah, now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the world right now, dollars are the um, unit of account. Yeah, it's what we understand it by. Um, not for long. Right, not for long. <laughs> um, but you'll see, like, on the Ethereum side, it's $1.36. Yeah. Right? Um, and that's just for a basic Ethereum. If and I'm the sending you Ethereum. So not only does it looks like, not only does Ethereum take off more frequently, it looks like, it, does it hold more transactions? Is that what that said? Yeah, pending well, transactions, 75,000 plus, and pending transactions for um, Bitcoin. Was that 61,000? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Ethereum has, and sort of beyond the scope, but Ethereum has a flexible block size, mm. right? Um, Bitcoin has a fixed block size, which is, this is complicated. In theory, it's mm-hmm. it's two megs now that we have SegWit. It's a one meg block size, but because we have SegWit, which is this little car in the back. Okay. Right? And that's sort of a good way to memorize it. This orange block for Bitcoin, mm-hmm. that's one meg. Okay. But... Depending on how you slice it up, you can get a whole another one to three megs inside of this little SegWit bus. So the SegWit is kind of like um, when you when you have like a car and you pack up your car because you're moving, but then you get like a small little U-Haul behind exactly. you for your extra. SegWit is the U-Haul extra. Okay. And when your car is full, your block's full. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is a good way to sort of visualize it. And then the last piece I'll toss on you is these are people who are probably still get on one of the next two or, you know, depending on which chain you're looking at mm-hmm. for Bitcoin. The people standing here are people who will probably end up getting in the next block or so. There goes a Bitcoin block just got confirmed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. When you scroll down, these are all the people who want to pay low transaction fees. You see this like barrier yeah. that says low fee line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are the people who wow. are like, all right, if the minimum fee is a dollar forty three, yeah. I'm not paying more than ten cents. Yeah. So you go down here. So they're living in fantasy land. So that's look at how many there are. He's scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Mm-hmm. And it's just like people with packed low fees. with people like But if it's not high wow. priority, right? Like, all right, I want to consolidate my wallets. I got Ethereum in five different wallets. I want to put that down into one wallet, right? Because they're all relatively small fees. Um, I don't really care. It's it's me sending it to me. Yeah. I don't care if it's done in 15 seconds. I don't want to pay $1.36 to send it to myself. Yeah. I'll pay 20 cents. Yeah. And what I'm banking on, because usually you'll sit in a mempool, and this varies from chain to chain, but usually you can sit in a mempool for a couple days, maybe even up to a week, um, just sitting there Uh, before the mempool just sort of kicks you out, right? mm. Um, Which means you can't do anything with that. Yeah, it's like tied up. But it's not gone. You haven't lost it to the mempool because 
until it gets in another block, yeah. it never really leaves your wallet. Okay. Right? So you could be stuck in the mempool for a while, but what I'm banking on on the Ethereum side is that, like, I'm paying 15 cents. I don't care. Yeah. What I'm banking on is there's going to be one block between now and the next few days. Yeah. There'll be one block that, for whatever reason, has so few transactions. Yeah. Or maybe there's this gracious validator, right? I could set up my own rules as a validator as a um, or as a Bitcoin miner. Yeah. I could set up my rules. So maybe my rule is I want to show some altruism. Mm-hmm. Whenever I win a block, mm-hmm. I allow 10% of the block space to go to people who pay Super low. 10% or less of the average going rate. Yeah. And so I'll put them in. Hmm. I'm, I'll give up those high fees because I'm just that altruistic. Yeah. So maybe you'll pop up on one of those. And if not, it just gets rejected eventually and you're good to go. Okay, I have more questions, but I probably should wait for black notes, yeah? Yep. And, you know, if you got more questions, too, <laughs> let yeah. us know because we can either answer them on our Twitter or Facebook, preferably Twitter because that's where I'll be, but um, TikTok, where are we at? Uh, Facebook, t- Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, I believe that's it. We've, all right. We've got all the things. So go check us out there, <laughs> ask questions, tag us at the Blockument, at all of them. Go to theblockument.com. We'll have some resources to all the sites I mentioned today, um, plus where you want to listen to the show, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Enjoy. YouTube. Um, and if you want to hear what these extra questions are, remember on YouTube only, we do block notes, which is sort of a little after show an extra 10 to 15 minutes because we always end up after yeah. every show talking for another 10 to 15 minutes because yeah. um, this is just never enough time. Yeah. Um, so go check that out. And we will, um, other than that, I guess we'll see yeah. you Just in a couple it. weeks. Yeah. So come for the riches. <laughs> Stay for the revolution. Stay for the revolution. <laughs> we'll check you next time. Peace. 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 <laughs>